0: Nobody Motors Anymore is a comment on the pace of life, before and after.
1: Hello and welcome to Notes from the Bee You're listening to Episode 7, Nobody Motors Anymore. Notes from the Bee is about more than beekeeping. It's also about the fabric of Western life and the passage of time. This episode is special because it's more about the writer than it is about the bees. It's about change and taking the back way home. My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode seven Nobody Motors Anymore, written and read by Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Stay tuned through the end to hear Tom and I chat about growth along Colorado's Front Range and the perspective shift that happens when you work with bees.
0: In a day when many communities are becoming more and more impersonal, where neighbors may not know who lived next door last year, let alone the last 10 years, I feel fortunate to live in the small town of Niwot. I can approach nearly any old timer and inquire about a home or a farm. Usually, they can rattle off with little hesitation the history over several generations who lived there and for how long, what they did, how many children they had, where they all went, and who in town they were related to. Now what is changing rapidly like many other towns along the Front Range and elsewhere, but we still retain a core of older families. They see the town, the homes, the farms, not as commodities to be squeezed for every last dollar, but as elements of their heritage. These rich ties to history and place have always seemed a special gift. I recall arriving in town before the growth wave struck and ambling down the one-block business district, more like a ghost town movie set than the bustling agricultural center it had once been. Stopping at the one-room Niwot Tribune building, I peered through the large front windows, dusty and fly-specked over the years since the paper had closed down. In the dark recesses to the rear, Beneath a blanket of dust and many generations of spiderwebs, the desk and printing plant remained. I remember wondering what tales of small-town life had passed through that old lead type. Our current paper occasionally runs excerpts from the Niwot Tribune of a half-century ago, and I enjoy reading them. I recognized many of the names, and some of those people I even caught among my friends. Back then, there was no global warming or ozone holes, no savings and loan failures or growth controversies, just simple, uncomplicated things, recordings of the fabric of life in a small western town. They told of the sale of a farm or the loss of a valuable horse, the comings and goings of friends and neighbors, birth, death, or a shopping trip to Boulder. One entry for February 1939 gave me a particular chuckle. It said only, Doyle Jones finished building another chicken house last week. I found it interesting because we own the Jones place. At one time, a chicken farm which supplied eggs to the University of Colorado. By the time we arrived, the farm had been divided. But the house and barn remained, as did the concrete floors of long-departed chicken houses. I remember sweating in the sun with my good friend Gary and a rutted jackhammer as we nibbled the slab into bite-sized chunks that could be lifted by a human being. I took out 13 pickup loads of rubble, then borrowed Leonard Johnson's large grain truck for three additional loads. Rich garden soil now lies where that chicken house once stood, and I felt a very personal tie to the history of my town as I read that 50 years ago, Doyle Jones had finished another damn chicken house and poured a real good floor, I'll bet. Later, Another entry appeared for June 22, 1939. All it said was, Sam Harvey and A.L. Newell motored to Stirling last Saturday. My first thought was, what a quaint way to describe a trip. When was the last time you motored anywhere? But then I realized that it was really more than quaint. It reflected a way of life, a pace from the past, a view of things that I have always found attractive and seductive. I see in so many of my contemporaries a rush to get somewhere, anywhere, to make it, to fill their lives with endless activities leaving little time to spare, to ponder or reflect on the meaning of it all. As I read about Sam Harvey and A.L. Newell, I recalled a conversation with an old farmer friend, Dennis, many years ago. It was evening and we stood leaning against my pickup behind the farmhouse on 83rd Street. I had talked him out of a load of manure or spoiled hay for my garden and thought I had score to find. If the truth be known, Dennis was probably glad to be rid of it and was counting his good fortune in the fact that I had loaded it myself. The car sped by on an urgent trip to somewhere, trailing a long, rolling cloud of dust down the gravel road. I don't know where the hell they all go in such a hurry, Dennis said. I get there just as fast as they do. I began to watch Dennis when I saw him on the road. He usually had his wife along, and in the spring I saw him looking for the pheasant chicks or out into the barley to see how much wild oats were coming up. In the summer he watched his irrigation water, and in the fall it was the geese, some of which came home with him for dinner. He did drive slowly, but he absorbed the world he traveled through and he did indeed get there almost as fast as everyone else. I like to think I learned something from Dennis. His words have stuck with me and changed my habits. As I travel between bee yards, I try to look, to see, to absorb my own world, to make the trip a joy and not a hectic burden. On longer trips, I often allow some extra time and go the back way, until now I have a back way to almost anywhere I want to go. Three years ago, Barbara and I even took the back way to Wisconsin. All this has caused some consternation among my friends, as if I am violating some holy precept on the use of time. When they travel with me, it's usually, you go with Tom. I went with him last time. I don't remember all those hours I have supposedly lost, but I do remember many things encountered on the way. Sometimes, to break my own routine, I'll take off for two or three days of pointless wandering through the small towns of Nebraska or Wyoming, Montana or South Dakota. It's country where the real people live, that the franchises have overlooked, where every way is the back way. I always know I'm getting close to what I seek when farmers and ranchers in oncoming trucks wave or lift an index finger in rural greeting. Since I'm on the road, I must live around there somewhere, and if not, I'm welcome anyway. They used to wave in Boulder County when I first arrived, but seldom do so today. The greeting, when it does occur, too often involves some other combination of fingers to signify that you failed to floor it the instant the light went green. All this has changed the place, the pace of life, the sense of things. We scurry about like little mice from cheese to cheese and screech at each other in our rush. Because nobody motors anymore. Or do they?
1: So I'm a kiddo who grew up with a grandfather who would always ask, who wants to go the back way? Mm
0: -hmm. My daughter Tracy thanked me several years ago. She said, "Uh, Dad, thanks for introducing me to the back roads.
1: I remember you telling me that this was one of the pieces you've written where you've received the most feedback. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: I'm not sure why. Remember, this was early on in my writing of the columns, but Nobody Motors anymore seemed to touch people more than the ones that I had done up to that time. It was the favorite of many people. Mine as well.
1: So you wrote this in 1990, I think, and I can understand what you're talking about with the pace of growth. It's Mm -hmm. like change has accelerated. I feel like I'm looking at it through a different lens of maybe in the past wanting to, maybe I had a feeling more of wanting things not to change. And now I think it's more of an acceptance that changes just part of life.
0: Yeah. The pace of life has changed. The, uh, the road that we're talking about in this column is now paved and has been for years, as as have many other formerly gravel roads, including the one right past the front of my house. And the gravel roads in Boulder County and along much of the front range, at least down here on the plains, have become precious over time.
1: There was something that I wanted to ask you about where you said, real people live here. What do you mean by real people?
0: Do you remember what scene that was?
1: It's a country where the real people live that the franchises have overlooked where every way is the back way.
0: Well, I guess I'm making a comment on my own work and my own view of life. I, uh, I opted for a community at the time, at least, that was still quite quiet, still agriculturally based for the most part. And it's a little bit of arrogance to say the country where the real people live. I meant that to mean the people that I identified with. If we look up and down the front range now, we're dominated by franchises. And that's not just here, it's everywhere. The little grocery stores, the mom-and-pop hardware stores, the places with personality and people that you've known for years are gone. The franchises have discovered the Front Range and it has changed the pace of life and the character of all of the communities up and down the Front Range. Not necessarily for the bad, but uh, certainly uh, contrary to what I was looking for.
1: And then there's this other sweet little piece where you're talking about sweating in the sun with your good friend Gary. You Mm -hmm. have a jackhammer and you're nibbling at the slab into bite-sized chunks that could be lifted by a human being. And I love that you said that because I feel like keeping bees did shift my perspective a little bit, and I think I became slightly more aware that humans are a species with a set of behaviors just like bees
0: Mm -hmm. are species. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. I think uh, without becoming too philosophical, I think the bees are a metaphor for life. We're very fortunate as beekeepers to be invited into a community of insects and be allowed to interact with them intimately and see how they make things work, how they put things together. And there are very close parallels between the challenges that a colony of bees face and humans collectively and individually. You don't have to think too hard to see the comparison between the lives that we lead and the lives that the bees lead.
1: Thank you for listening to the Notes from the Be Yard podcast. We publish new episodes on Fridays at noon. Join us next week. Until then, hop on over to Buzz to subscribe and join our new Facebook group.